Welcome to the second season of Record of Change, a podcast that follows eight people to understand how the COVID-19 pandemic is shaping their lives. I'm your host Pratap Nayar. Today, we're reconnecting with Didam Tally. Didam, who lives in Istanbul, tells us how she's been coping in the past two months since we spoke with her. Turns out, despite the global pandemic, she has some good news to share. Let's find out. Thank you so much for taking the time again. Likewise, thank you so much for calling me again. I'm surprised you would be interested in hearing from me again, but I appreciate that. We are definitely interested in hearing what's transpired in the past two months since we spoke. Has it been two months already? Yeah, we spoke in August. So, so how is it going? What are the updates? Actually, now that you say it, since the last time I spoke to you, there were quite a few new things happening in my life. I had sort of mentally given up on this year. I thought this year was supposed to be just about survival and none of my pitches were or story ideas or projects were panning out. So I thought, okay, maybe I can forget about everything. But suddenly so many things started to happen, mainly in my career. I was accepted into a program at the City University of New York. I think it is called Entrepreneurial Journalism Program, Journalism Creators Program. And I also got a full scholarship from Facebook to develop a passion project in journalism that I've been thinking and working on. So that was one wonderful development and I've been quite busy with my coursework and catching up with my peers and mentors and I'm very pleased about that. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And how about yourself? Oh, nothing much has changed in my life. It seems you have the exciting updates. I don't have any. Uh, how, how, how are things in Turkey? Things in Turkey, if you ask me, aren't looking very good right now. So we also have an increasing number of infections. And I'm beginning to be afraid whether the so-called second wave is going to be a bit tougher than our first wave. Our first wave seemed quite controlled and people were adhering to the rules of social distancing and staying at home. But I think millions of people have jobs and food on the line. So I think millions of people are really fatigued and they don't want to just completely change their lives because of the pandemic right now. And the case numbers are rising and rising and people don't really trust the government's data, which is a problem that we talked about previously. So I am personally feeling very grateful that I managed to take a little bit time off during summer. I was able to go to the beach and spend some nice time and enjoy the lovely weather. But I'm mentally preparing myself for a tough winter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, a sense of complacency has set in among people, like you mentioned. Right. So it does feel like yeah, we are we are in for a harsh winter. Yeah, it sounds like it. It looks like it. But 
In my case, I'm lucky that there is going to be a lot to keep me busy this winter. One other positive development that I also wanted to bring up was that I finally signed up with a literary agent who is a wonderful person who will help me to develop my book and champion my career as an author. So from one selfish perspective, I'm preparing to have some really tough and bleak months in winter, but I was also thinking at least I have a lot to keep me busy and I didn't lose my jobs or lifeline or assignments. Yeah, so congratulations on signing up with an agent also. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I met him in a conference at I believe at the Boston Writers Conference and he was we had a 10-minute pitching session over Zoom and he was immediately interested and I immediately had a really good vibe out of him. He said, actually, word to word, this sounds, your book sounds right up my alley, but I hope you can write well. I really look forward to reading your book. And then he asked asked for my writing sample and full manuscript and it went very quickly. He was very prompt with his communication and I think within a week or so, he sent me an offer and I was also considering and being considered by other literary agents. But among, I think, about eight choices or so that I had, he was by some distance the best choice, the most attractive choice. And he was really excited about my background and my book. And so, yeah, I decided to go with him and I'm just actually beginning to revise my book, working with my agent, and I'm super excited about it and slightly nervous as well. So now the next process would be for your agent to take your manuscript to publishers, is it? Yes. So before that happens, we will be revising the manuscript. He made some suggestions and there are some things that I would like to work from my side. But yes, that's the idea. Okay. Is there anything more you could uh, tell us about your book? Any synopsis of your book that you could <laughs> tell us, a sneak peek of your book? Um, sure. So apparently, I didn't know that, but my genre is called book club fiction ah. and some call it women's fiction but both my agent and I feel that women's fiction is not a very attractive title I think it's a bit better than chiclet of course but it tends to describe books that are driven by character development and emotions rather than plot-driven, huge events, dramatic things like thrillers or murder and so on. These books are much more about the character's inner journey. And my book, I, I write book club fiction, upmarket fiction, women's fiction. I don't exactly know where it stands. I think a lot of contemporary fiction, works of contemporary fiction are this way. My books are set in contemporary Turkey and my protagonists tend to be cosmopolitan and millennial Turkish women who are trying to find their places in the world, physically, professionally and romantically. And I've always dreamed of becoming a career novelist and 
in this book that I'm working on right now, my protagonist is a Turkish journalist as well. There are some autobiographical elements, of course, when it comes to work, but when it comes to her work and professional development, but everything else is pretty much fictionalized. And I feel that I really can't wait to offer a hashtag own voices perspective because there are hundreds of narratives, hundreds of books about journalism, written about journalists or written by journalists that feature Western male in exotic and foreign lands. But there is next to nothing that I know of that future a local person who happens to be a foreign correspondent. And especially in Istanbul or in the Middle East or in different conflict zones of the world, there is this dude bro journalist concept, you know, the kind of guy who wears safari trousers and has satellite phones that he doesn't necessarily know how to use and has this hyper-masculine, oh, I was very inspired by Ernest Hemingway and I want to be war correspondent type of people, so many of them. And I just want to challenge this idea in my book that you don't need to be a person who wears safari trousers and bullet vests and so on and fit into that sort of narrative. And you can have pink handbags, worry about your Instagram profile, worry that your crush didn't text back to you and be interested and passionate about all these vain things and fluffy things. But at the same time, be a bloody good journalist and be really good at your job. Because for me, for a long time, I thought these would be big clashes, that I had this feminine side to me that I love pink, that I love, I don't know, handbags or girly desserts and so on. But I also had this very serious interest in developing a solid career in journalism, trying to understand this world. And now I'm beginning that why are so many people in the world made believe that these things clash? And my characters in my books tend to tackle these issues. And I do feel that fluff is important. Fluff, I think this was um, one English-French writer, Joanne Harris, the author of Chocolat, saying on her Twitter account, fluff, if it's used well, it can save you from freezing to death. Fluff is good. Especially in a year like this, yeah, you're sort of trying to achieve a middle ground between smashing patriarchy and related stereotypes and radical feminism. Yeah, I guess I definitely don't have any problems with that interpretation. <laughs> Great. So did the pandemic affect in any way in you signing up uh, this agent? I think it did, actually. To be honest with you, this was written in a very short time the book. And this was definitely something I recently wrapped up. And if I didn't have the mental capacity, okay, that's not a nice way of putting it. But if I didn't have the 
little bit of a space and time to think. I had a good chunk of time. Suddenly I was free. I had so many work trips and assignments cancelled and I needed something to just bite into. I had to have something and I had this book that I, that has been shaping up in my mind. I've written a good chunk of it earlier this year and then I was able to finish it. More free time than usual was definitely useful and at the same time it of course had some negatives. All the agents and publishers, all the industries and economies are shrinking around the world. Some publishers shut down and a lot of big publishers decided to close down some imprints and so on and obviously agents, a lot of agents have family to take care of and they have maybe some of them got ill and so on so the respond rates are I would say a bit lower than usual and a bit slower than average but luckily when you meet the right agent right publishers right people when your story somehow lands in the right hands it doesn't really matter and I was very lucky in that sense. So this was one negative side of pandemic on my writing and novel creation process. But one positive I believe was that I met my agent during a conference that would normally take place in Boston. And maybe I would end up querying him and we would work through the slush pile, who knows. But I feel that this conference happened over Zoom and I don't know if I would right now be able to prioritize traveling to Boston to attend a conference. And actually, even though the conference was physically based in Boston, my agent is from California and he was also dialing in from California and I was able to meet so many more people in the industry with the Zoom conference and I think the agents were also really happy that I had when I pitched my book which is set in Istanbul I had very positive responses from professionals and agents saying oh finally one book that's not from just another writer in Brooklyn you know so I think it helped them to just broaden their regular horizons as well and get a more diverse set of submissions. Oh, wow. So that sounds very interesting. That's one of the positive ways in which this pandemic impacted your... Absolutely. Uh, right? Absolutely. I am very glad that the cultures are changing a little bit because as a freelance journalist and a writer who's based outside the US or based outside the most obvious media centers. That has been one big problem for me and for many other people that it's really difficult to network. It's You always tend to be this faceless freelancer from a developing country behind an email. And it's been changing slowly but surely, of course, and our carriers as people who published journalism work with Western outlets is a proof that it is definitely possible. 
But I feel that that culture has been opening up even more to just network and meet over Zoom and be able to discover what the world has to offer to you rather than just hiring the next American writer or publishing that next American book set in Brooklyn. Nothing particularly wrong with books written by American people and set in Brooklyn, but it's also good to have others. Yeah, COVID lit is already a a subgenre in dystopian literature. I saw at least a couple of books released in India uh, just a couple of days ago. So we are already looking at COVID lit as a subgenre in dystopian literature, I think. Okay, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. But interesting. When we were brainstorming for the second season, my colleagues wanted us to talk about our friendship. Uh, has our friendship changed in any way during this pandemic? If you ask me, it has not changed in any discernible way, except that you know, we despair about the pandemic a lot in our conversations. So I feel like I was with you somehow in this journey of you getting an agent for your book. Pandemic or otherwise, I do feel this year has brought us a little closer to to each other. Right. I definitely don't disagree with that. I considered you a good friend for a long time, but... As you said, there is an element, some kind of a global synergy that made us bring closer to people that we were already close with. You were one of the first persons I shared the good news when I got the scholarship to develop my journalism project and likewise when I signed up with my agent. Yeah. Well, how was Seb doing? So how are the both of you doing? Are you still spending a lot of time indoors? So we are still pretty strict, to be honest. We both spend most of our time indoors. And when we go, we always wear a mask and we avoid public transportation and we're not traveling. So it's a little bit more open to our full lockdown times, of course. Every now and again, we'll go out and have an alfresco meal and go take a boat to the European side of Istanbul. But we've been pretty rigid, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. I just want this to be over as soon as possible. And I, someone like me, really doesn't have a lot of reasons to be out and about too much. I understand people who have work or family obligations, so they must They can't stay at home all the time, but I am the demographic who is benefiting this. So I feel like it's my responsibility to be as strict as I can be. Yeah. In Istanbul, is life continuing as normal? Are there, despite the restrictions, are are there restrictions on bars and restaurants or how is the hospitality industry coping? There are some tourists. We are open to US visitors. I think we're open to Russia and Ukraine because we are desperate for the tourist dollars at this point of history, unfortunately. And yeah, I think we're open to UK as well. But I'm not sure about the rest of Europe. Yeah, it's pretty funny when I whenever I 
go out, if I take a boat, I usually see the tourists. Locals in my part of Istanbul, at least, they always wear a mask. I'm actually very, very positively surprised and happy to see that. Turkish people, they don't have much of a anti-max or anti-vax thing going on, especially in my part of Istanbul from an anecdotal observation. But in the boat, you always see the tourists without a mask. So sometimes that makes me a bit angry. Mm. How do you feel about flying, Didem? Have you any plans in the near future to fly? For the time being, I don't have any big travel plans. I feel that I'm unlikely to go abroad before I get vaccinated. But I'm probably going to travel to Ankara, our ugly duckling capital city, in the next few weeks for a few assignments. And I might be taking the train or the plane. So I took a train once. I think this was back in like July. And they had sold only half of the seats and it was very well ventilated and there was a the train conductor just walking up and down constantly and making sure everyone was just wearing their masks so that was a very positive experience this was a government train okay okay so your days now are spent on polishing your manuscript yes I actually just signed up officially with my agent yesterday and he immediately sent me some suggestions and some lists, some resources that I can work on. So it feels like I'm already knee deep in the revision process. Knowing you, I know you'll maniacally stick to deadlines and finish your manuscript. It was lovely talking to you. And we will talk to each other soon. Yeah. That was Didam Tally. In the next episode, the Hong Kong-based couple Wenny and Dominic talk to Ketchang Fang and give us their updates. Thanks for listening. Follow us on your favorite podcast provider and look for us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube or our website recordofchange.com. This podcast is implemented by and with members of the Bosch Alumni Network, a community that brings together former and current fellows, grantees, and staff members of the Robert Bosch Stiftung and its partners.